functional naturopath in Perth, WA. This is a place where you can expand your knowledge on how to optimise your health and realise your full potential. We'll have cutting edge information with expert guests and having lots of fun along the way. Get ready to be empowered and motivated to reach your higher vitality and find your ultimate potential. Let's go! Provital Health is a proud member of the Health Optimization Network. Health Optimization Medicine and Practice is a 501c3 non-profit on a mission to educate doctors and practitioners on how to optimize for health rather than treating disease. If you're interested in becoming a practitioner or donating, head over to homehope.org. Provider Health Clinic is the first and only of its kind exclusive health optimization clinic in Australia with state-of-the-art technology, protocols and personalised healthcare, compounded medicines made specifically to your testing individualities. To find out more, head to revitalhealth.com.au. I talked to Erin Hoey in the latest podcast, who gives us a completely different perspective on how each of us has the innate capability to be the greatest meditators. In episode 61, we talk history of meditation, different types, and how they are different in the body, the spelling myths of meditation, where modern meditation should be today, example of the meditation she teaches, and what a course looks like, and what happens after. Erin says, I don't want meditation to be another thing on your to-do list. I want to make you fall in love with a meditation. I want it to be something you look forward to. Erin Hoey is a meditation teacher, speaker, occupational therapist, mental health clinician, and community builder. She feels like she was put on this earth to teach people about their most important and most misunderstood resource, their minds. She passionately educates people that their mind matters, connecting them with the knowledge that every moment of your life, every experience you have, is perceived and experienced through your mind. The quality of your mind truly determines the quality of your life. With a lifelong appreciation and fascination with the human mind, Erin was initially drawn to clinical work in the community and inpatient mental health before running her meditation school full-time. She has a passion for the wisdom of Vedic meditation and teaching people how to naturally, through meditation, enliven the innate intelligence and healing capacity of their minds. We hope you enjoy this amazing podcast. Welcome, Erin. Erin is here from House of Ravana with us today, and we are talking meditation. So, and meditation is so broad. We are going to try and give a, a history. We're going to try and narrow it down. We're trying to in, ins and outs, the science, the research, the everything. So, I'm I'm super excited to discuss this with you. And I'm so excited to be discussing with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome and thank you so much for coming here. I really, really appreciate it and giving up your time today. Total pleasure. I think um, the last time we met, we had an incredible conversation yeah. about what it was that um, a lot of your clients found challenging around meditation and even just how one maintains or find, finds a practice they love. Mm. So we can just explore even further. Absolutely. And I do love your philosophy. So we, we should have probably recorded the first session that we caught up because we just thought through everything. It was amazing. Um, but we will do the same today. And really, I think meditation, like, like you said, is a limitation for people in their belief systems where they feel that it's something that they can't do or can't have time for. And I said, I had this the other day from another client and I hear it all the time. I just don't think meditation's for me. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you would too. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think I hear that honestly 
from every person who contacts me who is at all curious about learning to meditate with me. So I've tried meditation. I want to know how to meditate. My mind does not stop thinking. As you said, I either don't have the time. I don't really know what I'm doing when I'm doing it. I find I sit to meditate because I want to feel a little calmer, more centered, more grounded. And yet as soon as I stop, my mind becomes insane and I actually get more anxious, more stressed. Yeah. I become more self-aware as to how insane my mind is that it, it actually feels too uncomfortable to sit. Mm. And so I then have a lot of people wondering whether or not it is actually their mind, whether their mind is particularly busy mm. <laughs> um, and therefore come to the assumption that meditation may not be for them, despite the fact that they know how beneficial it could be for them. And it's a real shame. It's completely understandable why people come to these conclusions, because we have been sold an idea that meditation must look a particular way and must feel a particular way. And the reality is these misunderstandings around the practice are myths that have originated from monastic lineages. So meditation as a practice is thousands and thousands and thousands of years mm -hmm. old. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the techniques that were initially introduced to the Western world came from the type of lineages where people were sitting in caves, meditating their entire lives, desiring to reach enlightenment, mm -hmm or signing up for monastery to monasteries mm -hmm. for monastic living where they're not in relationships, they don't have children, they don't have careers, they don't have a desire to be in the world. In fact, they have the deepest desire to be removed from the world to be able to experience an inner experience. Um, mm. But for most of us, that's not us. <laughs> Um, we are what is called householders in the meditation uh, terminology. We desire intimacy. We want really alive, vital life experiences. Mm. That's inclusive of our goals. That's inclusive of our passions. That's inclusive of family. That's inclusive of hobbies. That's inclusive of travel. Like We want to be signing ourselves for more joy, more groundedness, more centeredness in our lives. We don't want to be having a practice that takes us away from our lives. Yeah. And so anyone who's finding uh, a challenge in their practice, it's very unlikely got anything to do with their mind. Yeah. It's actually to do with the practice that they're sitting with. The practice they initially came across might not be the one for them. Yeah. And that can be quite humbling for a lot of people thinking that, Oh, well, it's actually not me <laughs> because totally. people think it is them. They think, oh, I've just given up because it is not for me. Totally. Yeah. 100%. And I, um, I read a line recently. I can't even remember where. It was in a book of poetry. And it said something along the lines of, your mind is not a mess. It is a miracle. And this resonated with me so much because I see person after person who feels that their mind is just that. It's an anxious mess. It's a stressed mess. It's a nasty mess. Mm. Um, it's an uncreative mess. It's an unproductive mess. Mm. But the reality is, is when we know our mind, when we understand our mind, 
when we can work with the nature of the mind, which is what any good meditation teacher will teach you to do, mm -hmm. then your mind is honestly a miracle. <laughs> it is the most phenomenally intelligent um, piece of our human experience. And something I get incredibly passionate about is when we understand it and we can work with it, our entire lives are perceived through it. Um, literally every moment of our lives is perceived through this yeah. and so the quality of our mind is of utmost importance it's actually nothing more important mm, absolutely um, I am just on on topic for not even thinking what I was needing to prepare for this but I've been listening to Joe Dispenza's yes. Becoming Supernatural now this has fascinated me for Ever since I was little, my mum did a course on silver meditation. And for forever until I remember, my mum used to always tell me, you know, mind over matter. You you have the power to change things. I was I was writing dressage, you know, it was intricate details, working with a horse that you had to remember sequences of a dance. Yeah. And I would, as a kid, just lay and imagine the whole thing. You know, I would be placing myself in those steps the whole whole way through and then I would go on and act it and mm -hmm. I didn't know at this that at the time that this is what it is you know you create a dream you create yeah. something before you even done and put your first step forward same with the mind you know we have the quality to have a, an amazing life but our mind needs to be creating that for us 100 percent and um so I also work with a lot of people who love Joe Dispenza's work. Mm. And the interesting thing about, because um, Joe's often a lot about um, manifesting and um, working with the energy of the mind and the body and our experience to cultivate something that it is that we're desiring to have or experience. Mm. And there is such power to that. However, in saying that, if we think of our minds so and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too. So we go throughout our day, day after day, and we are bombarded with our demands now to do this. Mm -hmm. We have our emotional landscape, mm -hmm. which depending on the season of our lives, on um, the cycle of our lives, our moods, what's happening, the circumstance of our lives, that's ever-changing. Mm -hmm. um, we have... Uh, very strong ties to technology. So we're having a lot of input, a lot of um, in-streaming information coming in. And then obviously you see people day after day coming in for different types of um, either a desire to optimize their health or to enliven the intelligence of the body to return to a greater state of functioning health. Our minds, I almost like to think of them a little bit like um, a washing machine. Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's the equivalent of having thrown some dirty footy jerseys into a top load of washing machine. Mm -hmm. And that first cycle is representative of an entire day's worth, an entire week's worth, an entire month's worth, lifetime's worth of just all of our life experiences churning. Mm -hmm. And we sit to meditate and what it is the equivalent um, situation is that initial cycle starting to churn and the water is going to get incredibly murky for a couple of minutes and then 
You put the lid down, 15 minutes later, you might return and pick up the lid. And these footy jerseys, they're starting to smell a little fresher. The water's starting to get a little clearer. Put it back down again, it's starting to churn. By the end of the cycle, you pick it up, the water's crystal clear, the jerseys are smelling fresh. But our minds for most of us um, are the equivalent of that dirty initial washing machine where there's just a lot of muck mm. going about in the mind so that we have really low quality mind energy at the end of the day. <laughs> and then this is coming back to say manifesting or Joe Dispenza's work. If we don't have um, clean energy <laughs> yeah. circul circulating through the mind and body, the capacity to actually channel or manifest or fine tune our desires becomes really, really challenging. It can actually become quite confused Absolutely. because there's no um, or limited discerning power to actually what is needed in that given moment or what you're actually desiring in your life because your mind and body is so busy trying to digest and process life experience. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and meditation depending on the types having a practice where it's the equivalent of doing the digestion and processing so then you've got this really fine-tuned capacity to do practices and techniques similar to joe's or any other form of manifesting mm -hmm. is a really interesting thing to um to layer together absolutely yeah and i think it not only gives you that clarity or discernment or networking that's healthy. It's that physiological impact on the bodies and the cells, but also it gives the nervous system that re, you know, reduced impact on highlighting emotions and that you know, reactive, reactiveness. So it's that, that clean, crisp reaction from a place of lowered nervous system function, as in healthy nervous system yeah. function, as well as knowing the paths not being clouded yeah, and dirty. Yeah, I'm not saying that like I'm not, it's dirty, but yeah, yeah. in a sense that we need to have that crispness, that 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 training as such. Absolutely, mm. and we, I'm sure most people know the feeling of um, a heavy or a dull or a cloudy mind. Yeah, and that's probably um, a better word that than dirty, which we both both used mm. that's that fogginess that dullness that um challenge to actually sense into what's needed to be actually um sense into what your body is offering to mm. sense into what life is asking from you yeah to give you enough physical energy and vitality to actually feel in, enlivened in your own life mm. absolutely um, and choosing that path correctly yeah, yeah. so We've done, you know, we've sort of jumped into it, but I wanted to get a bit of a background story of how you landed here, how you landed yeah. in meditation, because yeah. I'm sure everyone's going to be fascinated on what interests you to get here. Um, so maybe yeah, a bit of a story. Yeah, sure. Um, so as a child, I was quite an intuitive little being. Um, I was only really interested in being in my fairy garden <laughs> um, or being with my animals. Yeah. I spent a lot of time outside. And then as I got into my um, sort of 10, 11, 12, I found my mom's self-development books. Mm. And I then became 
<laughs> an avid reader of um, a lot of adult self-help books from a very young age and I, I don't know why but I was just fascinated with the mind and the heart and the soul and um, so I started reading really early and I was um, in an interesting position to have a mum who was very spiritually connected mm. and so I think that was just planting the seeds of um, probably an innate personality who was drawn to um, an exploration of the inward mm-hmm. um, and an environment that was nurturing enough to allow that and then from a very young age from about 13 I would meditate in my own style and um, for many many years and then in my mid-teens um, mum and I started going to a Buddhist center on a Tuesday night mm-hmm. And so that was my first introduction to a formal meditation style. And then entered my late teens and my early 20s, and I continued to explore all different types of meditation. And I was really hooked, but to be honest, I'd I'd never actually felt a tangible meditation experience that um, I would hear the Buddhist teachers talking about or that I would read in these books. I was hooked because I could sense that there was something really important happening, but there was never any um, like interesting experience. Or mm-hmm. I was always still with my mind the entire time I was there. And then in my um, yeah, a couple of years after that, I came across a particular style of meditation called Vedic meditation, mm-hmm. and this is the practice that I that I now teach. And it was the first time where I had that tangible depth in meditation, that tangible meditation experience that I always knew was available, but wasn't quite sure how to access. And what I fell in love with as a student of that technique was just how applicable it was. So this was a technique that originated from five and a half thousand years ago but was then retranslated um, in the 1950s by a Vedic um, teacher. Mm. And he translated it for the Western mind and the Western householder. So the people exactly like us. And there was just this immense adaptability, this dynamism, this practicality. It was real. It It was working my life. I was meditating like on airplanes, traveling to Melbourne and Sydney every couple of weeks. I was meditating in the back of Ubers. I was doing my master's at the time and meditating in um, the library in between finishing exams. I was meditating in the morning before going off to work and then meditating before I'd work in a bar at nighttime. And it was just really, really allowing me to um, manage the huge amount of um, demand that I was currently under increasing my adaptation energy mm-hmm. <laughs> in a time where um, I was phenomenally busy with different things and from that place um, I then a couple of years later felt really called to teach and my teacher at the time inquired about the possibility of me becoming a teacher mm-hmm. um, and I took her up on that opportunity <laughs> So um, I've been teaching in WA now for four years. 
as a Vedic meditation teacher. And prior to that, um, my, my greatest fascination has always been the mind. So I worked clinically as an occupational therapist in the area of mental health, worked as a mental health clinician in inpatient and outpatient mental health settings. Um, so it's a beautiful blend to have the clinical and scientific understanding of the mind um, and then a deep passion and a deep love for um, the more spiritual mm. side of the mind and to be able to marry and blend those together I think is a beautiful combination and a powerful combination. Absolutely right. and like you say about adaptability to the modern world yeah yeah which is really key. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, my fascination is the different forms of meditations. Um, I've had a huge history of expanding into all different things. And I think that's from me a fascination also to teach my clients what's possible. Plus, also um, from the perspective of I need to be able to recommend to my clients what they need in, you know, their life according to what is adaptable to them. So, Run me through a bit of a history about meditation, yeah. different types of meditation, um, and maybe some key points around each so the listeners can um, you know, understand, I guess, where yours fits in, where the differences lie. Absolutely. So I think the most important thing for people to know is that um, meditation is an umbrella term for thousands of different ways to practice these days. It is not the one thing and different types of meditation offer really different benefits. I am a huge advocate for any type of them, any type of meditation that you love, that you understand and that you do daily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter what it is. Mm. However, what is really important to know is that different types of meditation may interact with your brainwave activity differently yeah they um, work with your mind so different layers of the mind mm -hmm. differently they work with your physiology differently and they offer incredibly different benefits and so it's a little bit like going to a pt actually if you were looking for a personal trainer and you were interested in creating long lean limbs flexibility, um, dynamism, and this um, just lovely um, feminine physique, you are probably unlikely to reach out to um, a cross trainer, um, sorry, a CrossFit yeah. <laughs> um, personal trainer who's interested in speed, mass community, bulk, um, building strength quickly. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit the same with meditation. You want to start um, recognizing what it is that you're desiring from your practice, what outcomes you're wanting, how you want in your mind to feel, how you want in your body to feel, both in the meditation practice itself and then outside of your meditation practice. Mm, and I like to break down the three, um, sorry, the thousands of different types of meditation into three primary branches because I think that's the simplest way to do it. And the first one would be your concentrative techniques. Mm -hmm. Concentrative techniques are any meditation practice that 
involved a focus or a control or a concentration mm -hmm. of something. So it could be a control or a concentration on your breath. It could be a control of the mind. So an attempt to discipline or silence the mind or eradicate thought. Mm -hmm. um, it could be staring at a candle flame. It could be um, sitting there and focusing or observing different sensations occurring within the body. Mm -hmm. And most concentrated techniques can be traced back to monastic lineages. Mm -hmm. So these are the, um, the lineages that, that are thousands of years old where um, people were dedicating their entire life to their spiritual and meditation practice. And yet it is often a lot of people's first point of call in the West as they come across a concentrative technique and they find it really, really challenging. Because <laughs> there's so much else going yes. on. <laughs> um, it's not just sitting in a cave. <laughs> yeah. And what I find really interesting is, um, so concentrative techniques, they have profound benefit. Mm. Um, what we know is that they strengthen our capacity to concentrate they strengthen our capacity to focus. Mm. They strengthen our capacity to be able to sit with discomfort. All really necessary um, life skills and capabilities to build. What I find with a lot of my meditators and a lot of students coming to me, though, is that they actually find that they are concentrating, controlling, disciplining themselves and attending all day, every day. Mm. Like that is all they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and what they're desiring actually is something else. Mm. They're desiring the opposite, which is learning how to let go a little. <laughs> how to... <laughs> Not so much like this. Yeah. <laughs> how to loosen up a little bit, how to enjoy a little bit more, how to get deep, deeper rest, mm. um, how to let go of that white knuckle grip on every aspect of their lives. Yeah. And they're desiring this because there's imbalance there. Too much control equals a lot of stress and it equals a lot of suffering. Um, like an immense amount of stress and an immense amount of suffering. And so if you're interested in um, strengthening your capacity to concentrate, attend, apply discipline and control, they're wonderful techniques. Mm. Um, then we have our contemplative techniques. So contemplative techniques um, is anything where you are sitting with the eyes closed or the eyes open mm -hmm. and you are contemplating a particular intention. You're contemplating a particular part of the human experience. You're contemplating the, the greater reality um, of the universe. It is um, more of an active meditation but you're sitting in silence, you're sitting in stillness and you're carving out that time to be able to do exactly that, contemplate. Mm -hmm. um, and then we are all really familiar with um, mindfulness. Yeah. And mindfulness, again, this is billions of dollars have been pumped into the research on the benefits of mindfulness. And I don't think there's a single psychologist or a GP who wouldn't be referring people to learn mindfulness um, mindfulness though in my opinion doesn't necessarily have to be a meditation it can actually be um, a natural byproduct of a relaxed nervous system 
and clear mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you will find that when you are most rested, most calm, most grounded, most centered, that you are also most present and most mindful. Oh. You will notice that when overwhelm kicks in, when anxiety kicks in, when distress kicks in, this is when your capacity to be mindful and present goes completely out the window. And for a lot of people, actually, their normalized state is one that is overwhelmed, depleted, mm. anxious, and burnt out. Mm. So presence feels like, or mindfulness feels like an entirely unachievable um, state of experience for them. Mm. Um, in saying that the actual practice of mindfulness, as um, the name is coined, refers to any moment or any practice where you have your awareness on the present moment. So whether that is the present moment experience of sensation in your body, your breath flowing, um, the present moment awareness or the mindfulness of the thoughts that are moving through your brain, um, the taste and the sensation of particular textures in your mouth as you're eating your food. Mm -hmm. uh, these are most commonly experienced. The capacity to be able to, in heightened states of stress, to ground yourself with what's going on in your environment, what's going on in your body, what sort of thoughts are starting to move through the mind. This is the practice of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And mindfulness is a beautiful tool for anyone who is desiring to actively practice being more present mm -hmm. and i think we could all use a little bit more of that um, it is also incredibly good if you find yourself having panic attacks or anxiety attacks mm -hmm. or simply moving into a state of distress where your capacity to um, talk yourself down um, into a calmer state has now gone out the window. Yes, absolutely. And then we will all be familiar with uh, meditation apps. Yes. I think we would be hard pressed to find a person who hasn't at some point downloaded or tried a meditation yeah. app. And apps, they're, they're a really good entry point. Yep. for someone who's desiring meditation. Mm. Um, I think they're wonderful. When I was working clinically, I'd often refer people to Headspace. Um, though if people are desiring a tangible shift in how they experience their mind, if they're desiring a tangible shift in their well-being, their sleep, um, the quality of thinking that's occurring, their reactions in relationships, mm. the type of um, their relationship to their self-talk. If they're desiring more tangible shifts or a deeper experience, an app is not somewhere I would suggest you stay for a really long time. Yeah. Allow it to be your entry point. <laughs> and then if meditation is something you continue to be curious about after being with an app, then find a really good teacher. Mm. Your mind is nuanced. <laughs> We are complex beings, so invest in someone who knows it intimately and can train you to know yourself intimately and to find a practice that you really, really love. Mm. And um, I think that's really key. And as you were speaking, I'm thinking about that personalised approach to what we do in medicine, but for 
meditation, you know, apps, it can be very positive as an entry point, same with some therapeutic diets as such for us, mm -hmm. but it can spoil it for someone in a way, mm -hmm. you know, you, you see something, you're like, well, is this, is this what meditation is? Is this all there is? There's no context. There's no context around, well, there's this type, this type, this type, this type, and this type. Yeah. You might be any of those types. But this one app's giving us only this and that's only their entry point and they have no context to what else there could possibly be out there for them. Absolutely. And yeah. um, an app will give you the most, um, it'll give you a momentary experience of either slowing down yeah. or recentering. And there's great value in that. Yeah. Um, but there is much more available to those who are interested in it. And I think... That is what I discovered because prior to um, learning the technique I now teach, I had tried all of those others that I've just mentioned. And as I said, I've been meditating in different styles now for almost 17 years. Mm. Um, and I found great value in all of them. Um, and it's about trying to discover which one is right for you and your life and the time of your life. And I think it can change. The final branch, which I haven't mentioned, is the transcending branch. And the word transcending, it means to move beyond. And what it is that we're moving beyond in transcending meditation is we are moving beyond the aspect of your mind that is designed to think. And in other lineages, this is often referred to as the monkey mind. So that's the part of the mind which has incessant flow of thinking occurring with or without your permission at all times. And all of us are incredibly familiar with this aspect of the mind. Let's <laughs> yeah. go for a drive <laughs> on a nice Sunday with the sun shining and your, your brain is just like... <laughs> You're like, stop it, I'm trying to relax. <laughs> And so whilst other forms of meditation try to attempt to silence or control this um, layer of the mind with focus and discipline, mm. the transcending technique recognizes, well, that part of the mind's designed to think and it does it perfectly. So what we will do is we introduce a little uh, mind vehicle or a, a mantra, which is simply just a sound. Mm. And we teach um, the use of this in a really particular way that allows you to experience um, increasingly deeper states of awareness that sit just below the thinking mind and that are available to every human being. Um, what we don't know about the mind is that the mind, yes, is designed to think, but that's only one part of it. We are human beings that become human doings. And um, all the transcending technique, all that I do is I teach people to remember how to access the part of themselves that exists beyond thought. Mm. And that's the purest essence of who and what we are. And there's really interesting physiological benefits to transcending techniques in that within just moments of meditating, it starts to trigger what's called the relaxation response. And the relaxation response is... Um, a host of physiological responses that take the nervous system from either a high grade or low grade state of fight or flight into increasingly de-excited, deeper and deeper and deeper states of rest. They'll notice a heart rate slows right down. 
we'll notice our metabolic rates start to drop, which means on a cellular level, our bodies are starting to move into a state of rejuvenation, repair, and healing. Mm. We'll notice the mind starts to get increasingly less and less and less thought until there's no thought occurring at all. Mm. Um, we'll notice our heart rate slows right down. And we'll notice that our digestion often starts kicking in, so our bellies will start rumbling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And the beauty of having a meditation technique that triggers the relaxation responses, you are coming out with fresh, clear mind energy at the end. So you're, you've had a process of digesting and letting go of anything that is irrelevant for the mind to be holding on to. Yeah. That's laundered out in a 15 or 20 minute session. Um, but not only that, your body is starting to return to homeostasis. Mm. It is starting to return to balance. So every aspect of its innate intelligence can start to be enlivened mm. because it is stress that dampens the innate intelligence of our bodies. And you, you would know this. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I call it coming home. <laughs> you come home yes. because you can actually listen to your body. Your body can do what it needs to. Yeah. Incredible immune function changes happen at that 100%. level as well. Mm. Yeah. And it's just, it's just intelligent, to be honest. And why would we not be working with the innate intelligence of the mind and body why would we resist the intelligence and actually try and push against it um, when there are such simple ways to be able to switch it on to be a complement to whatever else it is that we're doing um, to support our health and well-being makes sense, it make sense. <laughs> it's unfortunate how the rest of the world is being run though when you look at it you know further and further are we moving around away from trusting in nature or trusting in that innate because we are trying to control that yes but the more and more we try to move in those directions the more and more you get pushed back into coming back to nature coming back to mother nature coming back to all that you know that that magic that that beautiful intricacy that we just need to leave alone <laughs> it is exactly it is mm. the intelligence of being and mm. um, that's what it is absolutely absolutely yeah. so i guess on to and now we've covered slightly you know we've looked at we've, we've looked at all different forms in terms of the branches that you mentioned we've looked at where your style of teaching fits in what about myths and I'm, i'll just make it you know we've talked a little bit around myths but maybe just make some like clear important you know points for people to remember around meditation yes i love this mm. um so i think one of the biggest myths is that meditation is not for me or meditation is not for you um, there's this idea that to be a good meditator mm -hmm. that you either need to have a particular life ideology or belief system that you need to lead a particular type of lifestyle um, or alternatively that you have a particular type of mind or personality which is innately calm, centered, easy breezy, mm -hmm. um, spiritual, um, hippy dippy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 
you know, you probably you probably wouldn't need it as much if you had all that, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, well, give me that, and then I don't need to munchate. Cool. <laughs> and so, you do not need a particular type of mind. You can be the most neurotic person in the world, mm -hmm. and you can have a profound meditation practice that you love, understand, and enjoy. It is not reliant on ticking any of those boxes. Mm -hmm. You just need really good instruction. <laughs> it's like swimming and people say, I can't swim. It's like, no, you simply haven't learned to swim. Mm, um, absolutely. But when you are offered the instruction, when you're offered the stroke, when you know how to work with the resistance of the water and use the water towards your advantage, actually, you know how to swim really, really well. Mm. Meditation is exactly the same. How do you know that? The strokes that you've been using are actually the right strokes. How do you know to work with the inner resistance that's going to come? How can you use the natural buoyancy of the mind mm. to actually enjoy the practice? Yeah. And so that is the first thing. I have students coming to me desiring something to enhance their spiritual practice. I have others because they've just gone through a huge life transition mm. or a breakup or they've been diagnosed with something. Mm -hmm. and they're needing something to support them through that chapter. I have other people who are coming because they just want a technique. They don't want knowledge. They don't want wisdom. They don't want spirituality. They just want a profound practice. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is a good teacher will cater to whatever it is that you need. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and the technique will be the same regardless, but it's just the amount of engagement and additional um, philosophy will be offered depending on what it is that you're looking for. What is another myth? Another myth is that you don't have time. Um, <laughs> so we all That's a know, big one. Yeah. Um, look, I get it. I honestly, we all have the same amount of time. We've all got 24 hours. It never feels like enough. If you have a family, if you have a job, if you run a business, um, if you are in relationships, time feels stretched. The thing is, though, it's we will never get more time for ourselves. But what is really important is um, enhancing the quality of the time that we do have. And meditation is in one way a time giver mm -hmm. <laughs> in that when we invest time into 10, 15, 20 minutes of our meditation practice, particularly with a technique that is hitting that relaxation response. So allowing the body to let go into that deep state of rest, enlivening that natural energy, allowing the mind to launder process and digest that day's work of experience. Honestly, I get it. We live incredibly full lives. We are always feeling pressed for time particularly if you're interested in self-development or in wellness, you probably have a, a host of other rituals, routines and practices that um, you prioritize too. Mm. And that's wonderful, but that can also feel like you've got even less time. And because we are all in this very stretched position, um, enhancing the quality of our time is really, really important. And Allowing ourselves 15 to 20 minutes of meditation practice a day can seem like a huge ask or a huge investment of time. But 
But I had um, this fascinating experience a few years ago. I was teaching an accountant. Mm. I was on the final day of my course. And so the practice I, te um, I teach is 20 minutes once to twice a day. And there's a, a great intelligence in why 20 minutes and not five minutes or not 40 minutes. Um, but he said, Erin, do you mind if I share something? Last night I was crunching some numbers. <laughs> the analytics, of course. Yeah. And so what I'm gathering you're asking us to do is to take um, 20 minutes or 40 minutes, depending on whether we're practicing once or twice a day, and I worked out that that is um, approximately 3% of our day. If we have 72 blocks of 20 minutes a day in a 24-hour period, that's about 3% of our day. So what you're asking us is to invest 3% to get an ROI, a return of investment of 97% increased clarity and enhanced life experience. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you that is exactly what we're doing um so we are we're literally investing yeah. a sh tiny amount of our 3%. day but to enhance the rest of the time yeah. if your meditation practice is not giving you a tangible shift of experience mm. outside of your meditation practice yeah. it is time to find a new technique yeah. because Meditation should allow you, outside of meditation, to feel more playful, more generous, to access your clarity easily, mm -hmm. to be able to make decisions, um, to feel present and generous with your children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like your meditation practice is designed not to make you a good meditator or to become a perfected meditator but to make you better at life yeah. yeah um and so that i don't have time myth it it doesn't really stand up when we take this philosophy yeah. like how do you not have time to be generous and present with your children yeah. how do you not have time to be feeling good in your body how do you not have time to feel clear Absolutely. how do you not have time to feel connected to yourself Absolutely. like what is the point of being here? Like, yeah. honestly. Absolutely. And I think <laughs> it's just like, our time we get spent. It gets spent elsewhere where yeah. we shouldn't be spending our time. Yeah. But it's this hook. It's this, this busyness outside of ourselves, yeah. like you were speaking about before, the social networks, the, well, the, the, you know, the apps, yeah. Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. It's and mindlessly. And, you know, we, we could spend hours on that. We can't have the 20-minute to refresh to resort totally and um, this is really old data but um it's probably six or seven years old now but um back then australians were spending an average of eight percent of their day on social media alone so this isn't increase this doesn't include emails this isn't general um google scrolling this is not being on the news social media alone eight percent of our day yeah that's minimum yeah a lot of people it is a lot more if you do not have time to meditate, the first place you look is 
how much time you're scrolling on social media. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, you will have two beautiful 20-minute pockets right there. Don't look at your week, weekly record screen yes, time on your phone. You'll, you'll see yes. a big shock. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and it doesn't give you anything. No. Or maybe some creativity, but meditating, you could do it in half the time and actually direct your thoughts into where you need to be looking at certain creative points. Totally. And I, I say this all of the time, that I've never come off um, a phone scroll and thought oh god I feel so good oh, I feel so rested wow I'm so enlivened by that experience so, oh I just feel, I feel wonderful so good about that. it just it just doesn't happen no, it absolutely doesn't oh um, my goodness yeah but. um so, you know, I think they're fantastic myths. We've got, obviously, time and it's not for me. Yeah. Is there anything else that you hear often? I think, too, um, so that it has to be extreme. Mm, so True. Like, I need <laughs> three hours to sit down and this is me. Yeah. I'm locked into this Or place. I need to take myself away to a 10-day silent retreat. Mm -hmm and blast my system with intense meditation but then never practice when I get home and then I wait till my next life crisis and then I'll sign myself up for a retreat again mm. go intense and then I won't integrate what I've learned to what I've been practicing then wait for the next time I get burnt out and then I'll go back to it um your meditation practice, and I've said this earlier, should be enjoyable. You mm. should look forward to it. Absolutely. It should be something that refreshes you, that rejuvenates you. Um, and it does not need to be extreme. I think retreats, I think silent retreats are incredible experiences. Mm -hmm. Same with psychedelic use. Like often people will dive straight into using psychedelics, desiring a rich, transcendent experience but they do no preparation work. They do very little integration work. Mm -hmm. And a meditation practice, 15 to 20 minutes a day is going to give you, you will reap dividends from the regularity of a 15 or 20 minute daily practice over any single sign up to a retreat or any extreme meditation challenge that runs for 21 days or any level of psychedelic use and there's nothing wrong with psychedelic use but if you're inclined that way please go in having prepared with a practice and please have an integrated practice to continue afterwards absolutely um, you need to have movement in certain spaces it will open up yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so I personally, I'm not a huge life hacker in my own life. Um, and I think that sometimes life hacks and wellness hacks are missing some really, really valuable information. <laughs> and just because something doesn't feel um, e extreme or like it's pushing you to your edges does not mean it's not a profound benefit. Um, the subtleties the daily practice yeah. the habits they are the changes it's actually easier and this is why I think people lend towards this and I say this day in day out <laughs> to my clients as well but just in a different format yeah. you know it's just a different form yeah. of you need to have your water you need to have your sun you need to have your food you need to have your nourishment 
properly. Yeah. You need to have these things set in stone for yourself. Otherwise, your that your your body cannot survive in these in this environment in itself. Yeah. It's the same thing. You're making change by meditating. And this is where the the physiology, the DNA, the brain, the the the, the re, you know, realigning everything yeah. happens. Totally. If you're relying on the one 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 retreat a year, there is no chance that's gonna happen. No. It's it's just a cheat, like you say. It's a it's a hack, but it's not even a hack. It's like a it's just a I can sign myself up for this, so sweet for the rest of the year. Yeah. I'm all good. <laughs> and like you will likely have um, a level of transformation that occurs on that retreat, but you want to be able to integrate that transformation in a way that um, is enduring for you, that actually touches your life because that's where it matters. Yeah. Um, 10 days or one moment of like pure psychedelic bliss means nothing for how you are as a partner it means nothing for how connected you feel to your life it means nothing for how you show up for your so i think we can move on to the next point what do you think yeah Yeah. so let's talk about what it looks like for your style of meditation for those who would be interested in coming to see you yeah what does that process look like? Um, what does the course look like? And then, you know, a little bit more information moving forward from all of that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so if you were to come and learn meditation with me, um, something that's quite unique is it's done face-to-face. Mm. And I think there is such value in face-to-face um, exchanging of knowledge and technique these days. And the course is structured over four consecutive sessions. Mm-hmm. And the first session is one hour in length. And that is done um, either one-on-one um, or in a group, depending on the size of the course and people's preferences. And that first session, you receive the basic meditation technique and also your personal mantra. So your personal mind vehicle, so this sound, this very powerful little sound that you use in the mind, um, which is going to allow you to move beyond active thinking into naturally and increasingly deeper states of mind mm-hmm. into the state of pure being. And so this is a really beautiful start to the course. And to honor um, the origins of this particular meditation technique, there's this beautiful little five minute ceremony where I do all of the work, but the new meditator brings gorgeous flowers and a couple of pieces of fruit. And we do this beautiful ceremony and it's just a way of acknowledging with gratitude and where this knowledge has come from. Mm-hmm. And I then send you home and you go home and meditate for 20 minutes in your own home environment. Because it's really different meditating with a teacher in their peaceful abode (laughs) with no distractions, no phones, no kids, no washing to do. Um, Get you to meditate in your real world with all of the real life stuff occurring. And then you come back the next day and um, the second, third and fourth course is structured in small groups. And this is where you start to learn how to actually use your mantra. Um, you start to learn how your mind works. You start to learn how to access something other than your thinking mind. And then we get really practical. When are you going to meditate? How are you going to fit it in? 
What happens if you run out of time? What happens if your kids interrupt you halfway through? Because they will, probably two or three times. Mm -hmm. um, do you meditate right before bed? What's your meditation practice going to look and feel like? Um, establishing the realities of actually meditating regularly, what's that going to look like? Mm -hmm. And then again, I send you home to meditate for 20 minutes. You come back the following day. And this is a really interesting session. We dive really deeply into what is occurring in the mind and what's occurring in the physiology when you are meditating. Mm -hmm. Why is it that some meditations are really thought-filled and other meditations are really dreamy, blissful, and deeply restful? How do you know that the practice is actually working? What experiences might you have during your meditation? How do you know that they're normal? Mm. Um, we start talking about what does meditation mean for your life? So the way that um, we know our meditation practice is working is not how the 20 minutes feels, but what it is that you're noticing in the rest of your day after your meditation practice. And then again, I send you home, you meditate at home, and you come back for the final session, which is my favorite session. And this is where having had established a really solid technique where you are experiencing transcendence, you're experiencing something other than your thinking mind, you're experiencing deep rest, you've started to become really confident in how this is actually going to look in your life, how it's going to fit in, you're starting to get a sense of the benefits it might offer you. We then start to layer in some knowledge about consciousness. Mm -hmm. What are the functional implications of consciousness? Because we can know about consciousness, but what does it actually tangibly mean for our lives, for our relationships, for our parenting skills, for our work, for our creativity? Mm -hmm. And then I start to offer some really amazing and really simple eyes open mind techniques. So I've equipped you with an incredibly powerful meditation technique to do with your eyes closed. But then what are we doing with our mind outside of meditation? Mm -hmm. Also start enhancing that creativity and that clarity, starting to refine the quality of our mind outside of meditation. So we've got this inside in inside out approach and this outside in approach co-occurring at once. And this creates something that's really potent and really different and unlike any other meditation course. Um, and I would like to acknowledge that finding four days, four consecutive days in a row is really, really challenging for a lot of people. And yet this is the way this technique um, was intended to be taught for a very long time, um, for hundreds of years. And it has been my experience that to do anything less actually robs the new meditator of their meditation experience and their practice. And I would never do that. What I would like to say, though, the benefit of four sessions in a row, face-to-face, -face, completely infusing in technique, in knowledge, in refinement, in questions, in practicality, means that come the final session, you will never need to sit another meditation course again. Um, that practice is yours. You will never, um, yeah, 
you'll never need anything else unless you want something else. Mm. And that's quite a rare thing. Very um, rare. Very it becomes rare. something that's yours. Yeah. And then it's after beautiful. that, once you learn to meditate, you can come back and sit the courses or refresh at no cost whenever you need. So if your practice slips away 12 months later, you don't meditate for six months and then you know you need to get back on board, it's a matter of just setting a refresher and you're back onto it. Wow. So that's beautiful. Yes. I love it. I, mm. no, I just love everything that you say about it being you, yours. Yeah, it, it's so potent in our world that we don't follow along and, you know, copy and paste what someone else has done for us because it's not that it's, we are not them. Yeah. yeah it's, it's so potent. Completely. So potent. And I think um, we need the basic formation and basic technique to give us the groundwork and then it becomes yours and it will become enriched by your life and it will enrich your life and there will be a freedom to um what is the right word the longer that you practice the more it becomes completely in tune with you and your experience of your mind your body your experience of um, anything that exists beyond that. So if you have a particular life ideology, belief system, um, a faith system, a spirituality system, it will enhance whatever it is that you already love, believe and practice because you are simply connecting to the purest essence of who and what you are mm -hmm. and to that aspect of being that's connected to everything. And... When we are regularly creating intimacy with ourselves, because that's what meditation is, we are in relationship with ourselves. And any healthy, thriving relationship requires time, attention, and it requires devotion. Mm -hmm. And we often give that to everyone else, but we don't create intimacy with us. And then we wonder why we're feeling a little afraid or a little disconnected or um, not quite available or not quite into life. Yeah. <laughs> or not coping. Or not coping, overwhelmed, yeah. not enjoying. Mm -hmm. um, it's because that relationship um, has been neglected for a little while. Mm. So important. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love it. So... People are going to be really wondering how to find you. And I know it's a face-to-face -face course, so Perth is yeah. the place yes. for people who are listening. <laughs> Come here. Yes, and, and if you're not in Perth, I'm, I'm flying to um, Fitzroy Island, Queensland next month. Um, I've been down south the last couple of weeks, so I can travel too. Amazing. Amazing. Um, but, yes, I can be found currently at www.houseofbhavana.com and this is house of b-h-a-v-a-n-a -A -A, which i'm sure jody will provide the details for dot com but i'm currently in the middle of a rebrand so um as of october i can be found at erinhoey.com which jody will also make available Absolutely. Um, and I would love to hear from you if there's been any aspect of this that has um, created an expanded idea of what a practice might 
look or feel like for you, regardless of whether or not it's about the technique I teach, reach out. And if there's something you're interested in, there's a direction you want to head in, let me know, I'll point you in the right direction because I'm such an advocate for any form of meditation that you love and that you do regularly. Mm. Um, yeah. That's really powerful. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Erin. It's been an absolute mm. mind opener <laughs> for me as well. I've learned so much more even compared to having that first discussion and I thought we covered a lot then. <laughs> so, so lovely. So thank you so much. Um, we will be holding a course coming in the near future, hopefully before the end of the year here at Revital Health. Um, so also reach out if you're interested in doing something there. Um, but we're sure to answer lots of questions as they come up and come through the podcast. So thank you. Pleasure, Julie. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Revital Health Podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Revital Health, as well as our website, revitalhealth.com.au, for upcoming podcasts, workshops, and speaking events. Find out about specials happening in the clinic and all the show notes and links mentioned in the podcast. Please remember that this information discussed here is general information and it is not intended to diagnose or treat individuals. Please speak to your healthcare professional before embarking on any new treatments, lifestyle changes, medicines or supplementation to assess your suitability. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you again soon.